You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. I would like to draw your attention to the handout that most of you hopefully received. If you did not get a handout, I really want every adult to have one. Every adult, not just for a married couple, one for a family. Every adult. Can you just raise your hands real quick? And let's just um, give a moment for that. Why Why I did this today, and for those of you watching on live stream, I would be glad to email to email this to you. So email contact at myelevationcc.org or you can contact our administrator who is also our kids director at amandal at myelevationcc.org. We would love to get you a copy. There's a hand over here as well. And uh, Zeke will be around and he'll leave some at the Welcome Center as well. uh, Just so you can go on back and get one. We we are closing out a three-month series. And so today is going to be a fire hose experience (laughs) because we're going to wrap all three months in one. All three months is going to be wrapped up and we're taking the acronym of the word worship. Imagine that. And we're going to look at the what, the why, and the how. And as we have have experienced, maybe maybe you, can can, can I even ask, how many of you have been uh, to every every uh, part of the messages. So the why, the what, and the how. That's awesome. For those of you who were on vacation or you, didn't, uh, you weren't able to make it, go to our YouTube channel and look at those because I do believe that worship is a part of the fabric and the word of God tells us that it's our DNA. And it's not a matter of if you worship, but it's a matter of who you worship. Everyone worships, it's in your DNA. It's just a matter of who or what you worship. And so we see, closing out the three-month series, we see why we worship. Is it on there? Why we worship. He is worthy, it's also his nature. He's holy, righteous, eternal, never changing, merciful, faithful, sovereign, and he is love. He's also told us of why we worship is God says we're made for it. It's in our DNA, like I just said. It's what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to respond to God's greatness. Now let's look at what is worship, the definition of worship. The Hebrew Old Testament definition surrounds the idea of bowing our hearts and lives, physically and spiritually. It is a reverence. It is a surrender and a submission to God because of who he is. It's to revere and to adore. It's an intimate word in the New Testament. Does anybody remember what the New Testament word for worship is? Proskuneo. Proskuneo. And it means to kiss. And what that means is our reverence and our surrender and our adoration grows close enough to our Savior that we humbly kiss his feet. That's the posture of worship that the Father is pleased with. The last thing we looked at was confession, turning back, turning around, always acknowledging and identifying where our sin keeps us from the Father. And then dealing with that sin by bringing it to the cross of Jesus Receiving forgiveness and turning back into surrender. We have to align daily. Some of us is moment by moment. How we worship. We spent two Sundays in talking about we love Jesus with all that we are. Wholeheartedly and with all that we have. Worship is offering a sacrifice of love to God. Well, why is it not a sacrifice of animals? Because Jesus loved us so much that he came, left his throne, and became the sacrificial lamb. So we don't have to sacrifice animals to just suffice and keep God behind a veil. Now that veil is torn, and we are the temples where God's presence dwells. We lift Jesus high above all things. And I skipped 
Uh, We love Jesus, and that is true with everything we have, but then we prove that we love Jesus by how we love others. Secondly, we lift Jesus high above all things. We lift him high above all things. That's what it means to worship, to exalt and give the highest worth. And then lastly, we worship the Father through Christ the Son in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. I was going to do an illustration this morning, but it would just take too much time. But I'll just talk you through it. I don't know. Anyone juggle in this place? Anyone can juggle? Learn to juggle? I started, I wanted to be a clown in the Barnum Bailey Circus, believe it or not. That was only two weeks ago. But, and no, when I was six years old, I watched all the circus and clown stuff. I did my own clown makeup. Yes, I'm being vulnerable right now. Um, I, I was very talented as a kid. And uh, I watch those videos, and I, day and night, my son practices football and karate, I practice juggling. And so I learned to juggle, but there is a way to juggle. You don't just do this and throw them up, right? There is a process, and it is a two-point process that becomes one. So if you want to learn to juggle, I would suggest scarves first. And what you do is you take your right and your left and you, you, you put them up a, a little bit high where you know that your hand can come down and catch and your hand can come down. And so when you have two of the juggling balls, you know that you're going to throw your right ball right to this imagine, uh, imaginary point. It's always going to hit this point because then it's going to fall down right here. And then the next one you go to that point, and it falls down here. So it's two points, but it's one solid motion. So eventually, does anyone have objects? Maybe I can try it, maybe not. Does anyone have two small small bottles? I'm gonna make a fool of myself. I'll probably drop them. No, don't throw them! (laughs) So, you have two things, and a lot of people just go like this, okay? And so they're gonna drop them. Zeke, get the mop. But you're supposed to throw like that. So one, one point, one point. And so if you want to learn to juggle, you juggle with one. Then you add two to those two points, okay? All right. Say a prayer. I usually don't juggle water bottles that are wet and damp. Okay. So. I've been practicing since six. Okay. There we go. Thank you, 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 thank you. All right. So anyways. So what we're... Thanks, EJ. He says, good job, Pastor Phil. Why I do that is I want us to know that when Jesus said that the Father is looking for people to worship him in spirit and truth, there's two points, but it's one fluid motion. And so a lot of times... We're like, God's presence is here. God's presence is here. We're going to worship him. But all of a sudden, we go off just our feelings, and we start to add new age practices, and we start to just, whatever we feel must be right. And then all of a sudden, we dilute our worship, and we're worshiping someone that's not God. And that's why it's important then to bring truth of who God is and who we are in him. However, if you just keep throwing the juggling ball of truth, you're not really, Brian, Robs, forgive me. No one over the age of 50 is skydived? Yeah. My wife took me on my 30th birthday. And I loved it so much that I went again. And that was after we got life insurance. And after we got medical insurance. I don't know if you know that or not, but if you tell them you've gone skydiving, your insurance skyrockets. Sky skyrockets. So anyways, what we're going to do today is the best part of skydiving is jumping out of the plane. It really is. You, 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 you are, some people say stupid, but you are truly just trusting the fall and you are just letting it all go. But if you don't enjoy the fall down, there's really no reason in skydiving, which explains why 98% of you don't do it. But what we're going to do is we're going to take an 11,000 feet view of worship. And by the end of this acronym, we're going to come down to the ground and we're all going to then stand and respond in worship time together in music and in praise. So put your parachute on, put your vest on, 
lock in, and here we go. So I'd like for us to read as kind of like uh, a red carpet into this acronym. I'd like for us to read Psalms 100. I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to read it together. Here we go. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Could we stand in honor of God's word and can we read this together out loud? Ready, set, go. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him bless his name for the lord is good his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness absolutely amen so go ahead and be seated grab your outlines and this is for you once the service is over and you feel like you were just like drinking from a fire hose um this is this is where you and there's blanks here So I will try to give you heads up, and I believe the slides will have them underlined, I believe. So follow along with me, but the first letter of worship is W, and it stands for worth or worthy. God is worthy. Here's the key principle. Who or what you give the ultimate worth, there's the word. It's not underlined. I apologize, but it is bold. Value. Worth or value, highest value, it is that you worship in some form or fashion in your life. You may not like it and you may not agree with it, but it's truth. It's what or who you give the ultimate worth. It is that you worship in some form or fashion in your life. And I think throughout my life, I'm not going to uh, point your life out because that's not my job, nor do I know what it is you put the highest value on, but for a lot of times I put value on my status and my giftings and my talents because in the theater realm, that's what you, that's what gets you jobs is if you're well liked and they think you do a good job and you're talented. Some, some of us, it's our work. That's our highest value. So that's what we're going to really pursue and focus on. Some of us is our marriage. Not that it's wrong, but it should not be the ultimate point of giving worth. Nor should your kids ever be. That's a place that your kids should not ever be because that's a lot of pressure for a kid. Is when you put them at the highest worth in your life. Sometimes it's wealth. Sometimes it's reputation. Whatever it may be, God is the only one that has ever been designed to be that place of worth. And so when we do worship, it's all about God being worthy and deserving of our response to his greatness. That's worship. Here's just a couple scriptures, and they may or may not be on the screen. Number one is Nehemiah 9.6, which says, You alone are God. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that's on it, and the seas and all of them that's in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Exodus 20 says, Thou shalt not have any other gods before you. Matthew 4.10 says, Thou shalt worship the Lord and serve him only. And 1 Samuel 2, chapter, or verse 2, says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you, O God. There is no rock like our God. He's worthy. He's worthy. And so after each acronym, by the way, we are, as individuals and sometimes as a corporate body today we're going to give us 60 seconds of worship 60 seconds that follows the word that's associated with the letter so for worth what we're going to do and you'll see it on your form it even guides you and you can take this into your quiet time and use it 
60 seconds of worship. I want you to begin to think, pray just for 60 seconds and write the ways that God is worthy of your wholehearted worship. Think of ways, pray, speak, write it down of ways that God is worthy of your worship. Go. Who or what you give the ultimate worth to is that you worship in some form or fashion. God is worthy. He is worthy to take the throne of your heart and your life. He's worthy for all of the first fruits of your life. He's worthy of your time. He's worthy of your attention. He's worthy of your trust. In Jesus' name. All right. So worthy. The second letter is O, and that stands for obedience. Obedience. This is a big one I could go on and on and on about. The Bible is very clear that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience shows where our heart is. Obedience shows who or what has the highest worth in our lives. The key principle to obedience is you live a life of obedience as a result of your love and devotion to God. You don't just obey God because you're afraid of him, or you just don't obey God because that's just discipline. That can be behavior modification. You, you, yes, there's a part and a role of discipline, but we obey ultimately because he first loved us, and we love him. And Jesus says that over and over, and we're going to read those scriptures in just a moment. Living a life of obedience as a result of our love and devotion to God. Look at Samuel 15, verse 22. But Samuel replied, he was a prophet. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? This is when he was talking to Saul who did not obey the voice of God. And he says, listen, King Saul who God is removing your throne because of this, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. The late Dr. Charles Stanley, you remember him? Yes. Yeah, he just passed, I believe, about a year ago, less than. And uh, he said this, this was his life verse, or verse uh, life motto. He says, obey God and leave the consequences and results up to him. You're just required to obey what he tells you and what he is leading you to do. The results are up to him. Proverbs 16 says, a man will plan his ways, but the Lord guides his footsteps. And as we're obedient, the Lord orchestrates the results. Let's look at three scriptures in John. I believe this is on your card. John 14, I'm gonna go fast, verse 23 to 24. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He is saying we, through the Father and the Holy Spirit, whoever does not love me will not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. John fifteen ten, when he's talking about the vine and the branches, and the Father being the vine dresser, and Jesus being the, the vine, he says, if you keep my what? And abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in my love. It goes on to say, you will remain in me and you will bear much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. So when we don't obey, we actually are disconnecting from the vine. And we are not remaining in the words and the love of Jesus Christ. To prove that point even further, James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. I'm going to read it very fast, okay? Do not just listen to God's word, but you must obey. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, 
It is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, by the way, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God absolutely blesses our worship of obedience. So let's take 60 seconds of worship. Now what I want you to do is either write it down or mentally just think about it, or you can even talk to your spouse or someone next to you. Take an inventory of the ways, large or small, that you have recently been walking in obedience, not disobedience. We're not focusing on the negative right now. We're focusing on how we're following in the footsteps of God in Jesus Christ. Take an inventory on ways just this last week or two that you have at least tried or put an effort in following the ways of the Lord as worship. Go ahead. You're here for him. You're here to connect and engage with him. That's called obedience. If you genuinely prayed along with us, the ACTS acronym, that's obeying the Lord. You're connecting with him, engaging with him in prayer. Be, be good to yourselves today. God is pleased with you. Yeah, there might be sin in your life, but we're going to get to that. <laughs> So we worship because he's worthy. We worship through our obedience. And the next letter is R, reverence. Worship is all about reverence. But now in the new covenant, because of Jesus, we have a relationship with God. So if you want to be an overachiever, put relationship of reverence. Two R's. In categories, you'd get two points. Relationship of reverence. Because now worship is through a relationship. It's not because of our religious activity. The best way of honoring God, which is worship, is in reverential, say that three times, reverential worship of him. Reverential worship means we approach God as he describes himself as. And so we respect his honorable character and we do everything we can to not offend him because we revere him. When we say we fear the Lord, it's not this like scared feeling like he is going to strike us down dead if we do this, but we fear him because he holds our lives in his hands. He holds our government and this world in his hands. He is sovereign. And so when we worship him in reverence, we tremble before him. The word proskuneo, as we reviewed in the New Testament, means to revere, to adore, to kiss, or to prostrate oneself. It occurs over 60 times in the New Testament in reference to worship. So now, this is important, now because of Jesus' work on the cross and his victory over the grave, we can now revere God and respond to his greatness. We can draw near to him. We can draw near to him now. Not just through a priest. We are now called priests. There is no mediator between us and Jesus. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant and connects us, reconciles us, restores us to the Father. And so look at this quote on the screen by Oswald Chambers. Awe, reverential awe, is the condition of a man's spirit realizing who God is and what he has done for him personally. Our Lord emphasizes the attitude of a child. No attitude can express such solemn awe and familiarity as that of a child. So as we worship because he's worthy and we worship in our obedience, we revere God as a child. And we respect his holiness. 
And we love him and adore him for who he is. Let's look at Hebrews 12. Verse 8, excuse me, 28 and 29 says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable. Acceptable worship is with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Ecclesiastes 12. Verse 13 says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and obey his commandments. For this is the whole duty of men and women. 60 seconds of worship. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read this two slides. And then I'm going to ask the PowerPoint to stay 30 seconds on one slide and 30 seconds on the other. And we're going to just reflect on these words and either write down, think about it, worship the Lord in how we are to reverence God because of who he is. Let me read it. Here we go. There is only one living and true God who is infinite, in being and perfection. He is the purest spirit, invisible, with neither body, parts, nor passions. He is unchangeable, boundless, eternal, and incomprehensible. He is almighty, he's most wise, he's most holy, most free, and most absolute. He works all things according to the counsel of his own unchangeable and most righteous will for his own glory. He is most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, transgression and sin. And he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is also most just and terrifying in his judgment hating all sin, and will by no means acquit the guilty. God has all life, glory, goodness, and blessedness in and of himself. Let's take 30 seconds to reflect on one slide and 30 seconds on the other. And now take a moment just to close your eyes and allow who you are to respond to God in reverence. He's worthy. We worship him through obedience and we live a life of reverence. The next letter of worship is the S, and that stands for surrender. 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 The key principle is this. We must be broken vessels. Broken before the Lord. It is through the tough times, the struggles, the deep pain and grief, 
where a lot of times we shatter and everything lays barren and naked and dry before us to where we realize we must be emptied first so that God can then make us whole. You see, when we are not worshiping God in surrender, the Lord will often allow us to go through breaking, to shatter us, not to be cruel to us, but to draw us back to a heart of surrender. Because once we leave that posture and heart of surrender, we are not worshiping God in the design that we should be. We must be broken vessels. It is through the tough times, the struggles, the deep pain and grief where we shatter and everything lays barren and dry before us. I must be emptied to nothing so that God can be my everything. You'll see scriptures there listed for you. The Hebrew word for worship is shaka, which means to bow down to prostrate oneself as an act of respect and reverence before a divine superior being. David captures this heart of surrender in Psalms 51. Says, you do not delight in sacrifices, O God, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings, or I would prepare them. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite Oh God, you will not despise. I'm sorry, that's so wrong. It's, uh, that's verse 12, where he says, restore to me the salvation. Then I will teach sinners your ways and, and have them return. Oh God, my salvation, my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. That comes after the broken heart and contrite spirit. Broken spirit and contrite heart. One of the biggest scripture passages for Proskuneo worship is in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, which says, I plead, appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Then do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what is uh, a different translation than I memorized. Testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The heart of worship is one that comes into the presence of God sincerely with reverence because he's worthy, fully surrendered and yielded to the master's hand. So 60 seconds of worship. I want you to read or speak or sing through the lyrics of I Surrender All. Repeat it as many times in your mind that you need to. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Thee I freely give. I will ever love and trust You in Your presence. Daily live, I surrender all, oh, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Broken vessels. He's worthy. We worship in obedience, we worship through reverence, and we worship with a heart of surrender. Turn your notes to the back page, and now the H stands for holiness. I wish holiness was the first one or second one because holiness is absolutely required in approaching the presence of God. You see in the Old Testament, you even see it in the New Testament. When people do not 
live in holiness, they are destroyed. They are consumed. This is huge. (laughs) And this is a point that I believe a 21st century church needs to really start to soberly realize that God requires us to be holy. So let's look at this. Key principle is in approaching the presence of the Lord, holiness is absolutely 100% required. That is something you and I can never produce in our one accord, in, in our own accord, because we have something called the sin nature living inside of us. And it competes with the nature of the spirit. And we cannot be holy on our own accord. It never will happen. But through Jesus Christ, this is the good news of the gospel, and through Christ alone, holiness is paid for, bought with the precious blood of Jesus, and it is freely given. So those two blank words are paid for and freely given to each one who believes and calls upon the name of Jesus. So that means if you have Christ Jesus in you, you are holy. Not on your own account, but on the count of the cross of Jesus Christ. You are holy and perfect in God's eyes. That should set some of you free this morning. You are holy, and because your identity in Christ is holy, your actions and the fruit in your life should start to follow. You won't be perfect at it. That's why there's grace and mercy. But that is our goal. Hebrews chapter 10, and I love this because uh, if you missed Bible study this morning at uh, 845, they did the whole trial from Hebrews on uh, the Jewish belief versus Jesus being the Messiah. And they did a great job. And Greg, you make a good judge. You make a good judge. And uh, if you see Joe Francis in his suit, uh, he's got little fishing lures on him. And uh, we, we had the fishing derby yesterday, and I just told them, I said, well, um, what's missing on those fishing lures are actually fish that you catch. And uh, I did have a little fish trophy for winning the prize, but I wasn't going to put it on here because it says, thou shall have no idols before me. So I didn't want to put that up there. But anyways, Joe made a great attorney, and so did uh, Eric Haig. So anyways, they, uh, Joe Francis used this in his defense or, or in the prosecution, and, uh, shall we say. And it's Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. And this is what Jesus did. And this is why we can enter God. Remember, the presence of God. You cannot even get close to the inner place of the holiness of God without being killed because you're not holy. Okay? It says, we can now boldly enter heaven's most holy place. This is huge. The presence of God, the throne room, because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus tore the veil and opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Friends, this should change your life. You have 24-7 unlimited access to the throne room of God. And yet we binge on Netflix and all media and all sources of distraction. Not saying it's all bad, but when it doesn't become, when God and his holiness doesn't become the thing that we're driven to pursue, we're driven to pursue and worship other things. So let us go right in to the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood and made clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. You are holy, bought with a price. Stop living in unholy manners. Holiness, holiness is an absolute requirement to approaching God. We love Jesus because he paid for our sins on the cross. And in Jesus, we now are holy temples of 24-7 worship. And our lives should bear fruit of that.
Do you know anybody that kind of walks in the room and it just changes the atmosphere? And you know, you, you know who they are where you say, wow, God is with them. Like they speak words of God. They have discernment. They're, like they're in tune with God. Do you know that? You know people like that? I can guarantee you they have understood how to enter into the most holy place through worship. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 16 says this. Listen to this. This is amazing. So prepare your minds for action. Prepare your hearts and minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must, he's talking about preparation. So you must live as God's obedient, there's that word obedience, obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, you are to be holy. So now, 60 seconds of worship. There's a prayer on the screen, and I want you to just read through that prayer twice if you can, and allow your heart to engage in the words. Go. Make us holy as you are holy, God. Make our thoughts, our desires, our words, our actions, our everything holy. Pleasing to you, O oh God. We worship because he's worthy. We worship through obedience and reverence and surrender. And we worship only because of the holiness Jesus offered and gives to us. The I is tricky. I always want to kind of go through three different I words. One, identity. The other one is intensity because worship is in, it, it requires a lot of times our intense uh, devotion. But this one is intentionality. Intentionality. What I mean by that is worship in your life a lot of times is intentional. The more you're intentional about your worship, the more unintentional you'll begin to worship. And you won't even know it. And in what you're doing and thinking and how you're being is worshipful. The key principle to intentionality is when you seek to worship God with your entire or whole being. With your whole being internally and externally. It should start with the heart of worship and then come out in the action of worship. Then everything you do, everything you do, everything you do flows from you as an act of worship. Jesus is very clear in Matthew 22. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. And you shall love others as yourself. Love God with all. All. All means everything. All of it. All of it. Look at, look at Colossians 3.16 through 17. This is where uh, Paul is talking the church of, of um, the people of... <laughs> Colossians, um, uh, where, what's the term? Colossae. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. Thanks for covering my back. Um, Colossians 3:16 through 17 says this: Look at all the ways of intentionality. Look, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Have thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whatever you do, in all that you do, 
do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Intentionality. The deepest level, Rick Warren says this, out of Saddleback, he says, the deepest level of worship is praising God in spite of the pain, trusting him during the trial, surrendering while suffering, and loving him when he seems distant. Intentionality, choices lead, feelings follow. So let's take 60 seconds of worship. Now, I want us to be completely still before the Lord. And I want us to wait and listen to where his spirit may be calling, prompting us to deeper, a deeper walk in intentional and authentic worship. Let me say that again. We're going to be still before the Lord. We're going to wait and listen to where he might be calling us deeper into the intentional and authentic worship of our lives. We worship because he's worthy. We worship in our obedience and reverence and surrender. We worship only because of the holiness given to us through Jesus. We worship with intentionality. And the final one is praise. Praise, praise, praise. We praise God based on who he is, not how we feel. And while many times we praise God for the things that he's done for us or the good things in our lives, our goal is to praise his divine nature. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Things do not always go the way we want them to. So sometimes it's hard to thank God for what he's doing because in our minds what he's doing doesn't feel good. But we must always know that God is, the blank is, always good. All the time he's good. God is good all the time. And all the time he's good. And he's merciful and kind and full of grace and ever deserving of our highest praise. What I want us to understand about the word praise is these bullet points. Fill them in with me. Praise is an action word. You cannot praise God by doing nothing. You can worship God in your heart and the attitude of your spirit, but you cannot praise God without doing something. You can't. That's why we say we're going to praise and worship, but many people just get to worship. They don't get praise. And I know that we're all, all created and wired differently. Some of you would never, ever, ever, ever shout individually in worship or corporately, but some would. And the Bible tells us to do all these different things, whether we're comfortable about it or not. It's because he's worthy, and he tells us to obey, which is our worship. So worship is never about comfortability. Worship is about who he is. I know I'm stepping on some toes, but I love you. That just sounded Irish. Love you. Praise the Lord. Praising the Lord will absolutely change The atmosphere of your life. And it will change how you respond to circumstances around you. We're going to see in a minute when we praise, the atmosphere shifts. I don't know if you uh, love this pastor and evangelist named Dr. David Jeremiah. 
He says this, worship is God's way of giving us an opportunity to shift our focus, shift our atmosphere from our own concerns, our own problems, our own circumstances to the way things are in heaven. Praise shifts our atmosphere to the way things are in heaven. Praising the Lord ushers us into the power and presence of God. And finally, praise is not an option. It is a command. It is. Jesus even said, if you don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Psalm 63, verse 1 through 8. Look at this. Because of your steadfast love is better than life, O God, my lips, can you read what's in yellow? My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy, for my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So now we're going to take 60 seconds of praise. And then afterwards, the band's going to come up in just a moment. So we're going to take 10 seconds to do the following. Let's say 15, 15. Because we have four of them, so that would be 60 seconds. See, I I do math once in a while. So, first of all, we're going to take 15 seconds to verbally praise God. We're going to praise him. If you can't think of anything else, say, praise you, Father. Praise you, God. Praise you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We're going to praise him in spirit and in truth. And we're going to go 15 seconds, okay? Not 15 minutes, 15 seconds. Just verbally praising God. Are you ready? I'm turning my mic off so we can all do it together. Here we go. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it, but he's worthy. Here we go. Three, two, one. Thank you. Four, keep going. Three, two, one. It's like these drills in sports. They're like, don't stop, don't stop. We got to practice these things. Get it in us. All right, now we got 15 seconds. All I want us to do, you can do it verbally if you'd like, but we're just going to lift our hands to the Lord. And if you want to verbally shout to him, uh, speak to him, or just internally, but we're going to physically lift our hands to the Lord in praise. Ready? Go. Ten, nine, eight, he's worthy. Just say, love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We lift you up, high and lifted up. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.